Well, good afternoon and welcome to it. So good to have you here for the hour. We're going to get into this uh, employment law show for sure. Lior Sanfiru, obviously with me, John Scholes here uh, with employmentlawyer.ca. You want to reach out, you can go to help at employmentlawyer.ca. Sanfiru to Mark and the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. And I'll give you some reach out information now because sometime during the hour, you're going to think, you know what, maybe I should give Lior a call on Monday, talk to one of his staff, get some things sorted out. Well, you can do that by simply going to one 855 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. And I know several times throughout the show, we will probably make reference to this website, which was constructed a short time ago. Well, a couple of years ago, actually, for you. It's free and anonymous. It's called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And it's like make it's like the place you go before you even make that first phone call to the owner's crew. That's your first step. Go to that website. Uh, due diligence to be had. There are lots to learn. There's also the severance calculator rolled into that, which, by the way, 2 million plus people, 2 million have used the severance calculator since uh, Lior built it some time ago and had their eyes literally opened up wide about how much severance you should be getting contrary to what your buddy Steve or your neighbor or even your soon-to-be former employer would tell you. No, no, no. There's a real number, a better number, and you can find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But on the show today, in between your phone calls, if you care about your legal rights, don't ever do this, but we always like you to contribute to the show. The show is built around you and your questions live on air. How do you do it? 416-872-1010, or you want to text your questions to 71010 as well. We're ready to... uh, take on all phone calls and questions here over the next hour. But we get into the uh, the show every week of the week that was. Pal, what do you got going on? Hey, John. Great to be here on a Sunday and hopefully uh, get some uh, conversations going to mm-hmm. help uh, people as many as possible. If you're sitting at home or in the car and you're thinking about going back to work tomorrow, maybe you're not looking forward to it because something happened last week. Why not call right now, ask the question, ask what to do and what it all means, and we can talk about it. I'll tell you what to do, help you understand your rights. Whatever the workplace issue is, there are laws, there are solutions, there are protections that employees have here in this province. And a good way to find out, probably the easiest way, is just pick up the phone right now, take advantage of us being here at your service for you. Of course, you also have the opportunity to call me at the office, as John said. We'll give you that information throughout the show if you want to have that private chat. But right now, we're live waiting for your calls. And as we're doing that, as John said, let me tell you about a couple of situations that came across my desk over the past week or so. I spoke with, uh, right at the beginning of the week with the gentleman. He had worked for uh, an employer for about 10 years, no problems. Uh, so about three years ago, that employer sold its business. And he continued working, nothing really changed for him. He continued working with the buyer, same job, same pay, fairly seamless uh, and smooth for him. Mm -hmm. So fast forward three years to to now, his employment uh, was terminated because of a restructuring and his employer offered him three months severance. Now he asked, why so low? He said, well, you're a three-year employee, so we're offering you three months. So he did the right thing. He did the smart thing. He did what you should be doing at home. He called me. He wanted to understand what his rights were. So let's start with the fact that even if he really was only a three-year employee, that three months is completely inadequate. He was probably owed, if he was a three-year employee, he was probably owed double that, right around six months of severance. But the real question, was he, in fact, a three-year employee only? No, he wasn't. And the reason for that is, Because he worked for a company for 10 years, that business was sold, he continued working, that seniority carried through. So he's not a three-year employee, he is a 
year employee. So that seniority, that 10 years carried through. And now when it comes time to paying him severance to calculate how much severance he's owed, the formula says he's a 13-year employee, not a three-year. Yeah. And because of that, he should get paid accordingly. For him, that probably means 14 to 15 months of severance. Now, this is a guy that only worked for, for his employer for three years. So this is an important lesson there and a reminder for employees and employers. When it comes to a sale of a business, your employment usually carries through if you continue working. Now, you could potentially agree to have your employment not carry through with an employment agreement. If you sign an employment agreement with the buyer, so be very careful with that. But unless you've agreed not to have it carry through, then it does. And that's especially important if you lose your job in the future, because then you'll have credit for all years with the company, including the years before the sale. That is a huge red flag, is it not, when carrying? I mean, like you said, if the if the new buyer, the new employer just carries on, you know, status quo okay you left work friday well you're back on monday good to meet you we're new that's fine but if they if they if they slide a new agreement across it says we won't recognize previous service that's a massive red flag and i think that just illustrates it right it's it could be huge so yeah. think about a situation where you give up that seniority and then you're let go you could be giving up and walking away from tens of thousands of dollars in severance so it's always, always important to look at that employment agreement. We'll talk about that a bit later, especially so if there's a sale of a business, and you're going to accept the job with the buyer. Be very careful what you're signing and don't sign anything, frankly, without me seeing it first. We always encourage you to call into the show and have a chat with us and get your questions answered. That is uh, that is why we're here. want to get to uh, to Marion, I think, first is uh, first one up. Hi, Marion. Thanks for standing by for a moment. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, good afternoon. I have quite a big problem. I was working 33 years for, for Canada Power. I, I went for retirement, for retirement, because they refused to give me money. But that is not my problem. My question is, about one year ago, I find harassment complaint. They didn't touch it. And one year ago, I find complaint with Kennedy and Industrial Relations Board. They didn't touch it. What am I supposed to do? So I take it, uh, Marion, that uh, you were uh, part of a union, right? Yeah, but I am not a member. I got a, I got a response from union. They did everything, but they didn't. They lie, and we are not representing you anymore because you are you are in you are in retirement. What am I supposed to do? So unfortunately, the only one that's allowed to represent you is the union. You cannot do anything on your own. You cannot hire a lawyer for that. You have to have the union represent you. And if yeah, they refuse... They, they are not going to anymore. I understand. So if they refuse, the only thing you could do is to file a complaint against the union with I the did, labor board. I did that, but nobody cares. They don't respond. Canadian Industrial Board doesn't respond. Yes, I, I, I understand what you mean. But that's the problem, unfortunately, uh, Marion, with being union, as you don't have many options, you're in the hands of the union. So other than following up with the union and following up with the labor board, there's not going to be much that you can do. It'd be very different if you're not part of a union. In your situation, those options are very limited. Can, can I can I file business and complain uh, like, uh, like wrong food? No, no. Because, because unfortunately, you cannot. No. There's no option other than a grievance through the union. You cannot sue your employer. You cannot file wrongful dismissal suit. It has to be through the grievance process. There's really no other option. Sorry, Mary, we had to let you go. I think, but for those, I mean, he's he's union, so that's that kind of puts the the, the hold on it right away. But for those who are, are listening, are going to call through who are non-union, Lior. I mean, it's a different story, right? 
Well, absolutely, because your employer has to investigate if there's a harassment. And if they don't, we can make them. We can take legal action to force them. It could also be a constructive dismissal if they don't deal properly with harassment. So as a non-union employee, you're not in anyone's hands. You can be in control of what the employer does and force them to do things. And harassment is one of the most common things that I deal with in my practice. Unfortunately, as I said, for unionized employees, you're not able to do anything. You're dependent on the union to do something for you. Again, 416-872-1010 is the way to call through. Hey, Joe, thank you for taking part today in this lovely, bright Sunday. What's going on with you, pal? Well, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Uh, so a couple months ago, I was terminated without cause. I was a, um, a foreman. I managed about between 80 to 100 people. And um, so they, they offered me a severance package, and I went to an employment lawyer, and my employment lawyer emailed them and said, this is what I expect as a severance package. And it started. the email started off that they've been retained by myself and that no further correspondence regarding this matter should happen between myself and them. It should go through the lawyers. Well, on Friday, so two, over two months after all this started, I got a email Friday at 10 to 4 from the operator of the business offering me um, not to go through the lawyers. So to me, that's already them telling me that they're, they know they're wrong. But um, So they're offering me double what they offered me the first time, but about half or less than half of what my lawyer was asking for. So my well, question is, yeah. should, should are they allowed to, after they were asked, to not contact me um it, that's one question and and the other question is what would your advice be should would i should i forward that email to a, a lawyer should i um should i so so here, here's offer? the thing you know you you can't get them arrested because they contacted you when their lawyer asked not to so they're not doing anything that's necessarily illegal their lawyer could not legally contact you if you have a lawyer, but for them, they could do that. Here's the thing though, okay? Uh, There's a reason why they don't want your lawyer involved because they know your lawyer is gonna tell you, that's not a good offer. Mm -hmm. You're owed more and we're gonna get you more. They're hoping that by coming to you, uh, you'll accept it not knowing any better. So of course you have to talk to your lawyer. It doesn't matter what they want to do. Your lawyer has one job, to get you everything that the law says you should have. That's it. So I would not accept less than that. If you've had a proper consultation and you trust this lawyer and he told you you're owed a certain amount, you should not accept less than that. You should let the lawyer do uh, his or her job and 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 let the company figure out their issues. Uh, don't do it uh, the way they want you to do it. Joe, really appreciate that call, pal. Good opening salvo here. If you want to contribute to the show, we'd uh, we'd love to get you on. Emails we read a little later on as well. That is help at employmentlawyer.ca. But uh, here and now, as you know, 416-872-1010 to call into the station, join the show, ask your questions, and beyond that, reaching out to Lior and his very capable team, 1-855-821-5900. Take a short break. Lots more Employment Law Show is on the way. This is the Bell Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Employment Law on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. 
Alrighty, welcome back. It is one uh, twenty Sunday afternoon. It's a beauty out there. It's always a good time to talk employment law this hour on a Sunday, and your contributions are always uh, wanted and necessary and awesome. For that matter, bring it on, 416-872-1010. Employment laws, employment rights are actually heavily uh, slanted in your favor, but if you don't know about them, you can't take advantage of it. That's what Lior keeps telling everybody. Educate yourself. You can do so on this show by simply asking questions anytime uh, beyond the hour of the show if you want to reach out to Lior and is a team. He's got the, the best in the country, man. one 821 5900 is how you do that. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, you'll see the Knowledge Center tab right across the website. Click on that. There's a media down below, and it'll uh, link you up with past radio shows from here and our long-running TV show across the country as well. Again, employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, yeah, 416-872-1010 to call us and uh, join the show. We invite you in. It's always uh, good to get you on the air. If you care about your legal rights, don't ever do this. I know you had to whittle this list down from about 300, Lee, or to about a dozen. So there's lots of things we want to talk about here. And this is where people should uh, prick up their ears for sure and be wary of doing any of these things, which we're about to talk about. Number one, do not, don't sign employment agreements without knowing exactly what you are signing. Tell me about it. Well, it, it is my experience that when someone is presented with an employment agreement, the first thing they'll go look at is some numbers. So yeah. what yeah. is the number on my salary? What is the number on my bonus? What is the number on my weeks of vacation? And and oftentimes the analysis kind of stops there. As long as those numbers are acceptable, most people feel comfortable with that employment agreement that they assume the rest of it is kind of boilerplate. So I'm here to tell you, please don't do that. That is a surefire way to give up legal rights that you otherwise have. In fact, some of the things I'm going to tell you about may be more important than whether you get three or four weeks vacation. So one of the things that an employment agreement can do is to limit your future severance. Is that a big deal? Well, it is. It's huge. It could be the difference between you at some point getting two months severance or two years severance. And you know, if you're making... $50,000 a year, that could be the difference between getting a few thousand dollars or getting a hundred thousand dollars. It's huge. It's massive. An employment agreement could potentially also give the company the right to change your job, to change your compensation, to change your hours of work, to change your work location, to make all those changes. So you're, you're really happy that you negotiated a certain salary, but you end up agreeing to something that says, we also can change your salary at any time for any reason. So be very careful with that. They can also give your employer the right to put you on a temporary layoff. And the list goes on. So it's not just about salary. It's not just about number of weeks vacation. There are other terms that you have to be very mindful of. And the good thing is, the good news is, you absolutely are able to negotiate those terms. But it starts with identifying them. It starts with understanding what's problematic in that employment agreement. So I highly recommend If you're accepting a new offer, you're staring at that employment agreement, let me take a look at it. Let me tell you what it means, what it does, and we can discuss how we negotiate that. The flip side of that is this. If you're about to start a job and your employer has not presented you with a five-page, ten-page employment agreement, consider yourself fortunate. Consider Mm -hmm. yourself very, very lucky. That's a good thing. 
You don't want that. Much rather you start a job on a handshake than with a 10-page document. So be very careful with that employment agreement. It could cost you a lot of headache and a lot of money down the road. And again, as I said, not sure what it means or what to do, reach out to me. You know, it's interesting. We've been making that point, you and I, on the show for, for years and other radio shows across the country. But those who are new to the show, especially in the last week or two, are going, no, 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 wait a minute. I just started a new job and my colleague beside me got a 10-page document. I got a handshake. I feel naked. I don't like this. That That's not how you should be thinking, right? The exact opposite. And, and I completely understand the, the apprehension, right? I understand yeah. why someone would have that concern. But I'm here to tell you, as I've been saying for for years and years, that no, your friend in that scenario should be the one that's concerned. You should be very happy because that handshake deal means that you haven't given up rights. It means you have the full protection that the law provides. So that is your best case scenario. Remember the rule, an employment agreement benefits the employer. Okay, And if you keep that in mind, you'll know to watch out and be very careful with what you sign. Again, uh, lots of time to call in and ask questions about this or anything that comes to mind with your work life and your job. 416-872-1010 is how you do that. We're talking about if you care about your legal rights, don't ever do this. Don't get severance advice online. Don't do much online, but especially not severance advice, right? Don't get severance advice. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll even broaden this by saying don't get employment law advice generally online. But certainly when it comes to severance, there is so much misleading information. You actually have to struggle to find the right sources because you know for every right source there's 50 that are incorrect or incomplete so when it comes to understanding your rights you cannot just go on google and hope that what you come up with is correct you you may find out that you're only owed a week's pay for every year of service that's wrong you may find out you're only owed two weeks pay for every year of service wrong Whatever that that information is, it's often wrong. And the reason for that is there's no formula like that. There's no formula that says for every year you get this much. There are a number of factors that go into deciding how much severance you're owed. The main ones are your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And that's why it's so important that we know all the information. And I've seen time and time again, John, people accepting these inadequate severance offers because they went online, they, they read something, and they assumed the offer that they received is fine. They signed it and then realized after the fact, holy cow, no, it's not fine. I was owed a lot more. And then you can't do anything about it. So that is a very common and easy way, unfortunately, for you to leave your legal rights or to, to walk away from those rights. Don't do that. That's why I've made it as easy as possible for you to find out what your rights are when it comes to your severance. That's why we have the severance calculator. John mentioned it. I'll mention it again. You can find it at uh, severance, uh, or you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, and it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. First thing you'll see there is the severance calculator. It's free and anonymous. So there's really no reason for you to just go to Google and hope that what you find out is correct. Be smart. This is very, very important stuff. Yeah, you know, we, you and I have been talking about this for, for over a decade, you know, not getting severance advice online or, or any employment law advice. And that was the genesis all those years ago for you starting these radio shows. You're on a golf blog or something. And it's like, no, you get this. No, do this. No, call this guy. Call it. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's just an onslaught of misinformation. And that's the problem, right? That is the problem. And every once in a while when I, I, I want to – you know, see what's out there just for, for out of interest. Mm-hmm. I'll go online and I'll go to some some message board or and, and I'll see what people are talking about. And everyone comes with their advice. You get this much, you get that much, and it's all wrong. And, and I, I, I dread 
the thought of the people that are listening to this and are taking this as proper advice. It's okay. If you don't like me and you don't like how I sound, that's absolutely fine. Speak to another employment lawyer, okay? There's a lot of us here that could do a good job for you, but you can't just go online and get that information or try to get that information. Uh, you will find out when it's too late that you made a mistake. And I think another part of that problem, which makes it even worse to your point, Leo, is getting stuff online. When you start searching that, there's no, there's no, there's no borders. There's no national boundaries. So you could be reading information from south of the border, which is a completely different animal than what we got up here. South of the border, if you're lucky, you could be reading something from some other foreign country and, and they com- get completely confusing. I've seen that happen all the time. So, yeah, let, let's be very clear here. You have to be mindful when it comes to your rights. You know, if, if you had a serious medical condition, you're not just going to go on Google and say, well, this sounds like it's fine, so I'm good. <laughs> you're going to speak to a doctor. You're going to take it seriously. Your legal right shouldn't be no different than that. Yeah, reaching out anytime is the way to go to with, uh, with Lior. We're going to start on this one before you get to a break, but don't accept a temporary layoff or other big changes to the terms of your employment. This one over the last two and a half years has been the biggest one. So a very common way where you, you walk away from rights or give up rights is by accepting a change to the terms of employment or accepting a temporary layoff. Keeping in mind, of course, that your employer does not have the right to demand that you accept a change or, or, or a temporary layoff. You can choose to treat it as a termination. But if you accept it, despite the fact you didn't have to, you've given the company the right to do it again and again and again. And that's a huge, huge problem. You may find out that now you're laid off every few months. Why? Because you let it happen the first time. Or you accepted a pay cut. Now your pay changes again every month. Why? Because you let it happen the first time. So you may want to think about this concept of constructive dismissal. If your employer does something to the terms of your employment, you may want to consider that a termination. At the minimum, let's talk about it. Don't just walk away from your rights. And we will talk a little more about this one after a short break and encourage you to grab a phone now as we get into a break. And it is 416-872-1010 to call us on the air, ask your questions. There is no dumb questions. Bring it on. And we'll continue with more of the Employment Law Show here on the Bell Talk Radio Network. This is Employment Law on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. All right, welcome back. It is 1.35. We're going to continue on here. Any phone calls and questions, bring them on. You got lots of time. You got lots of uh, lots of space to let you in the door. 416-872-1010 is how you call in. The text number is 71010 as well. And beyond that, reaching Lior and as a team, Sam Fury to Mark and co-founding partner, of course, across the country, most positively reviewed law firm. You want to reach out? 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. I want to get to a text we, uh, we got moments ago, uh, Lior again from 71010 says, I have two part question, guys. Number one, when you've been put on sick leave by a doctor, can you and your employer agree to let you return early or does the doctor's note trump everything? Number two, when you are on the sick leave and you're returning in stages, gradual till eventually full time, do you get paid full time hours while you're not working those hours, maybe through short term disability insurance? Says, thank you. What do you think? Great question. So first question is about, you know, if you have a doctor's note, uh, can you and your employer agree to do something different? And the answer is sure. Yeah, absolutely. You and your doctor can agree to do something different, but you cannot be pushed by your employer to do something other than what your doctor says. So your employer can't say to you, well, no, we're not going to do what the doctor says. We want to do something else. Uh, your employer has the obligation to comply with what the doctor says, to figure out a solution to give you what the doctor says. Maybe it's modified duties, modified hours. Maybe it's to uh, change your job a bit. 
they have to make that happen if at all possible. Now, if you are okay with your employer's proposal and it's different than what the doctor says, fine, no problem. But don't be pushed or bullied into doing something contrary to what your doctor says. Now, when you're returning to work in terms of the second part, if as part of the return to work, you're not working full-time, you're working part-time hours, your employer is not required to pay you full-time hours. Your employer is required to pay you based on the job that you're doing. Now, yes, if you have short-term or long-term disability, they may pitch in to pay you the difference depending on what the policy says and depending on the type of condition that you have. That may well be the case, but your employer does not have to pay you full-time if you're working part-time hours. Again, you want to further on uh, have a conversation with Lior, a member of his team about that or anything else, you can always do that at your leisure, one 821 5900 But here and now, 416-872-1010. We'll get to your calls here in a moment. But in the meantime, we're talking about, to, you know, if you care about those legal rights, don't ever do this list of things. Next one is don't forget about your... Actually, no, I want to get here. Don't accept temporary layoff. We did that, right? Okay, don't forget about your employer when you're on a medical leave. Kind of dovetails nicely into what we just talked about, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, don't want to you, well let's start to take a step back to when you're on a medical leave what you want to do is preserve your ability to come back to work uh, at the end of the leave now if you're on a leave for a week or two that may not be a big issue but if you're on a leave for months and months what you don't want to have happen is you don't want your employer to assume that you've decided not to come back or you're not coming back and they may assume that because they just haven't heard from you at all and they they thought well if you had an interest to come back you'd be in touch with us so it's always good, uh, good advice. If you're going to be off on a medical leave for a long period of time, you know, more than, let's say, a month, stay in touch with your employer. You know, every few weeks, yeah, let's, put, let's say this, once a month, send a quick note to your employer. Doesn't have to be anything long. Doesn't have to be anything particularly detailed. Just a note saying, employer, just so you know, no, no real update, still working on getting better, and I'll be in touch. It's as simple as that. By staying in touch with your employer, you're going to prevent them from being able to say, we thought you quit. We thought you decided you're not coming back to work. They'll have the obligation to try to bring you back to work. And if they don't, there's going to be legal consequences to that. So very, very good advice. I, something that I tell everyone, if you're going to be off for a while, don't forget about your employer. Stay in touch with them. A text message here and there, an email sometimes works beautifully. It preserves your rights and preserves your future job. I know on the extreme end of that, we've talked about this before and in past shows that you had that uh, one client that was off for decades. They, they, <laughs> yes. they, the employer had forgotten all about them. It's, hey, what's up? They're like, who are you? We've gone through like seven generations of family members. You work here? And it ended up being a, a little bit of a payout, I think, for that one. Yeah, and, and it was actually my, my client in that situation was actually the employer. Uh, the, the employer, they called me one day and said, Leo, we got this, this note from this employee who says that they're ready to come back to work. And they had no idea who that person was. Mm -hmm. uh, and looking back, apparently worked there like 20 years ago, only for a few months and went off on a medical leave. The problem is this. If the company didn't take a, any step to end the relationship, the relationship continued. So this person that was a 20 plus year employee, even though they only worked for a few months 20 years ago. Wow. An extreme situation, but good advice for employers too. Don't forget about your employees that are on a medical leave because you may find yourself uh, in exactly that situation. That kind of brings up uh, that kind of brings up a question too, though. I mean, twenty years at the extreme end, but if it uh, if it has been year several years, I mean, is there a way that that an employer can 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 cut it off? You know, the frustration of contract. I mean, how does that work, right? 
Yeah. So at some point, an employer can say, well, you know what? Enough is enough. This person has been off for so long. We don't have to consider them to still be an employee. We refer to this, as you've mentioned, as frustration of contract. So the employment agreement, the employment contract becomes frustrated, but there's two scenarios or or there's two things that have to happen. Number one, long absence. Usually we're talking about two years or more. Okay. Long absence. Number two, and probably even more important, is that there has to be an indication that the person is not likely going to be able to come back. So if after two years, the employee is still working and getting back, that's not going to be frustration, even if the person has been off there for uh, off work for a while. But if after two years, the, his, the employee's doctor is still saying, we have no reason to think that this person is going to be coming back to work, at that point, the employer may be able to say, you know what, that's frustration of contract. We can end the relationship Keeping in mind, of course, John, that at that point, the employee still owed their severance, except not their full severance, only their minimum severance. So it's, it's going to be less than that. But oftentimes, I see employers that say it's frustration of contract before they reach that threshold. That becomes a wrongful dismissal. That could also be a human rights violation. The other flip side of that is the employee can also say frustration of contract. So what I mean by that is if you're an employee and you've been off work for a while and you know you're not coming back to work, you can force your employer to pay you a a certain amount of severance Mm. by saying, I'm not coming back. Here's my doctor's note saying I'm not going to be able to come back to work. That triggers the the employer's obligation to pay you that severance. So it works both sides. uh, And any questions, any issues? Just give me a call. You bet. Reach out to Lior. You sure can. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Through email, but here and now, lots of uh, time and room on the phone lines. 416-872-1010 to call into the show. We invite you to do so. With the remaining time we have this afternoon, we are talking about things you uh, you want to protect your, uh, your rights. Don't do these things. Ever, ever do this. And that is don't quit unless it's completely voluntary. Break that down for me. Very important. Extremely important. And a very common way, by the way, uh, that people lose their rights. Common thing that I see often. So a resignation, by definition, is something that the employee does on their own, voluntarily. They do it unilaterally on their own. If someone tells you you have to resign or tells you that I I expect your resignation in the morning, at that point, it's not voluntary. And if it's not voluntary, it's not actually a resignation. If your employer says, you you don't work here anymore, but we want your resignation letter, the answer should always be no. If you don't want me to work here, okay, but you have to terminate my employment, okay? You cannot, you cannot walk away from your rights just because your employer wants you to. Oftentimes, what the employer is trying to do is save a bunch of money in severance. They know that if they just flat out terminate you, they have to write you that severance check, and that could be months and months of pay. So they'll say, no, no, just resign. And, well, I guess I have to. So you resign, don't think, not thinking that there's anything wrong with that. Don't do that. If you decide you don't want to work for a company, if you, you're taking another job, you're retiring, you've, you're moving away, sure, you resign, no problem. But if it's not your decision, it's the company's desire that you resign, mm. the answer should always be no. No, thank you. I'm going to continue working until you, employer, let me go. At that point, they pay you severance, and that's what you want to do. Don't give them the gift of your severance just because they want that. Yeah, but they always say, well, Lior, it looks better. You know, if I if I quit or get fired, that's, it's better if I just quit. It looks better on my permanent record. I knew you are going to ask that. Ah. And the reason why people believe that is because, again, that's a misconception. There is no permanent record. There is no big fault 
where uh, the reasons for people's terminations are kept. And no, it's not better to resign than to be let go. No one reviews that. And you're far better off getting, by the way, if you're let go, you also get EI. You don't yes. get EI if you resign. So no, there's no reason in this world why you'd prefer to resign rather than be let go. Unless, of course, you did something terrible like stealing. If you, you didn't it. do that, you're not better off resigning. Sure, breaking back at it. 416-872-1010 to call in. We'll do that and continue with more of the Employment Law Show here on the Bell Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Employment Law on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. You are indeed. Thank you so much for joining us this hour on a Sunday. It is 1.50, 10 to 2, so we still have some minutes left. You have time to pick up the phone and ask some questions. There are no dumb questions. you still got time to, uh, to bring them on if it's something you're wondering about your workplace, your employment life, your job, severance possibly being let go, temporary layoff, doesn't matter. You got time, 416-872-1010 to join us here on air on the show. Email afterwards and during help at employmentlawyer.ca and to reach Lior and his team by phone after as well, 1-855-821-5900. This hour, we chose to go down the road about, uh, you know, if you care about your legal rights, don't ever do these things. Next one up, and this is basically a good suggestion for life, don't forget to document everything, right, Lior? You know, oftentimes workplace conflict can end up being a he said, she mm-hmm. said type of a situation. Uh, I don't like that. Uh, it's it's always the better to have the proof, to have the way to, to establish what we're saying happened. So, and, and I mean by documenting, maybe your employer is promising you a pay increase or a raise. Let's document that. And you don't need a signed agreement from the employer and email to them confirming that that was said works. Maybe uh, your employer is mistreating you, being harassed. Again, let's document that. Let's find a way to document that, have a record of it. Whatever the situation, you know, maybe your employer is saying, take, uh, take a pay cut, but we're going to, in 30 days, we'll bring you back to normal. That's not good if there's no documentation. Again, you don't need a contract. An email is all you need. Document, document, document. By documenting, you're going to make it uh, possible to deal with a workplace problem, to deal with your employer maybe breaking their word or breaking their promise. It's so, so easy to do that if you've documented, if you have that proof. I always assume that if someone did something wrong, they will probably lie about it. Well, they can't if I have the proof that it happened. So it's a very good idea to document everything. And of course, if you're not sure what or whether you should be documenting, just call me and let's talk about it. And my follow-up question to that one is, if you lay a document on your boss's desk and a piece of paper or an email, for that matter, you don't get a response, you might panic saying, they, they, they never responded to me, or what do I do now? So I'll give you an example. So let's say an employer says, yeah, using the example I give, yeah, okay. we need you to take a pay cut, but don't worry, it's only for 30 days. We'll bring you back up to 30 days after or after 30 days. So you send an email to your employer saying, employer, I'm confirming that uh, we said that you'll you'll give me a, 30, uh, a pay cut for 30 days, but after 30 days, I'm going back to normal. You have to send that email. Guess what? If your employer doesn't respond to that, it's perfectly fine. Their lack of response is exactly the same as if they said, yes, we agree. That's exactly what happened. You don't need a response from your employer. You just need to have sent that email. By sending that email, if they don't increase your pay after 30 days, you have all kinds of legal recourse. If you don't send that email, uh, they can say, no, we never told you. We just told you that you're going to take a pay cut, and you said no problem. 
So you have to document everything. You don't need a response from your employer. Again, 416-872-1010 to get on air, talk to us. Kamal, thanks for taking the time. Good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. I'm, I'm okay. How are you? Great. Thanks for taking the time. What's uh, what's your question? So, um, like my manager, right? She she has passed down like mean comments to me. She was like, "Oh, you should go be a supermodel and not work here. Sometimes you you look like a princess standing there at the dock, and you should dress up like the other people, like the labor people, you know, uh, dress up like and everything. And then, you know, at your talk to them after uh, this, you know. But still, like it's affecting me mentally a lot, and her abuse like doesn't stop, you know. So here's what I would do if possible as a first step. As a first step, I would send an email because I want this in writing. I would send an email to her saying exactly what you were telling me now, that you've made all these comments, give her examples. I am not comfortable with that, and I am asking you to stop. Mm-hmm. Send that email. Uh, mm-hmm. If things stop and she goes back to being the way she needs to, then that's great. If she doesn't, the fact that you sent this email helps you what i would start doing at that point is documenting so on uh, october 18 she said this on november 1st she said that then you can go to hr with that if you're not comfortable going to hr you can contact me and i can deal with it but i want you to send that initial email to her first telling her exactly what you're uncomfortable with i know it's not easy to send that email it's not something that you want to do but trust me, by doing that, you're protecting yourself, protecting your rights, and giving you all kinds of legal options down the road. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, so HR has already talked to her about it, uh, but I didn't tell them, but she told them about, she was like, oh, I'm wearing a backless top, so that's not acceptable. So HR talked to her that that you're not acceptable talking to me like that. Like, it's my life whatever I want to hear, like, it's fine, you know? And then she started abusing me in other ways, like mentally, like trying to hurt me all the time and just, you know, uh, trying to make me feel like a, a bad person over there. So that's why I, I am on a mental stress leave right now, but I'm thinking about, like, quitting my job, you know? So I don't want you to quit yet because unless we have some ways to prove what you've said, If you quit, you can, but you don't get anything because Mm -hmm. what she did to you by treating you badly, by putting you in a situation that now you have to go on a leave, that could be a constructive dismissal. That's illegal. It could also be absolutely, in this case, a human rights violation. The problem is this. She will deny it. You have to assume that she will, right? Mm -hmm. So we, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how do we create this evidence, this proof, so that then you have legal recourse. So if it's gone so bad now, go ahead. The phone call. I have the recording of the phone call with her, and she's apologizing me for it. Okay, so here's what I wanted us to do, Kamal. I want us to connect off air. If it's gotten bad enough, you have to go on a medical leave. I want to talk to you. I want to understand exactly what you've done about it. I want to see what that recording says. If we have enough then Mm -hmm. we may be able to pursue a constructive dismissal as well as a human rights matter right now. If Mm -hmm. we don't have enough, we can talk about how we get enough. But let's let's start by you and I having a talk offline, off air. Uh, We'll give you that information in a second. And let me do what I do, which is to help you in this situation. 
Kamal, appreciate the timing. Very well done. And do follow up for sure with Lior at this point, uh, 1-855-821-5900. I mean, that illust- we didn't even plan that call, but that illustrates exactly what we're talking about with your due diligence and writing everything now and keeping records because verbally, yeah, they're going to deny it. They're going to deny it. They are going to deny it. You, you have to assume the manager is not going to hang her head, head in shame and say, yes, I did it. That's going to be you know, potentially fatal for the manager's career in the workplace. So you have to assume that the manager denies it. She's not going to admit it. So it's up to the employee, in this case, Kamal, to, to prove what happened, to establish it, to make sure that there's no doubt about what actually transpired here. It's not hard to do. And if she does that, it's going to be very easy to pursue it. And if she doesn't want to go back, then, yeah, she should get severance. She should get human rights damages based on what she's described. But we have to do this right. And just in case people are wondering, Kamal did say she recorded a phone call. Some people are going to say, well, that's not that that's not legal. You can't do that. What are the what are the uh, what are the rules around that? Yeah, I, I get that asked often yep. and it is legal and it is appropriate. And it is, in fact, a good idea. You're able to record a conversation that you are part of. So if you're speaking to someone on the phone, you can record that conversation and it can be very, very helpful to have it. What you can't do is record a conversation of other people talking where you're not part of that conversation. That's illegal. But yes, you can record someone's phone call with you. If You don't have to tell them. And yes, you can use that at that point based on what was said. You don't have to tell them. You can do it and just keep it as long as it's between you and them, right? Exactly. You do not have to tell them. Or if you're going to a meeting and you have a, a, your phone recording in your pocket, you can do that as well, as long, again, that you're part of that conversation. And with that, we are done with this afternoon's conversation. You want to reach out afterwards, like I know Kamal's going to do, you can as well. Here's how you do that. one 821 5900 to call Lior anytime. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca and that website. We'll keep talking about it. You can take advantage of it. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time in the Employment Law Show right here on the Bell Talk Radio Network.